Today's reading uh, is all 13 verses from John's second letter on page 1229 of the Church Bibles. So that's 2 John on page 1229. The elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth and not I only but also all who know the truth because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send their greetings. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray as we come and look at that passage. Father, as we turn to your word, we pray that you speak to us again by your spirit. Help us, Father, to know what it is to walk in you, what it is to walk in love and truth, and the joy that it brings to our hearts. So, Father, we pray that you speak to us now, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. For the last while, I've been reflecting on this image that the Bible gives us of walking in him, of walking in Jesus. And so this morning, I'd like to spend some more time reflecting on the importance of not only our own walks with the Lord, but also our walks together as church, as well as looking ahead to what I'm going to call their walks, or those who will come to faith, uh, be it those who go out and evangelize, or those who are our own uh, children themselves. And so these three walks, our own walk, the walk of the church together, and the walk of those who will, um, uh, our own children or those um, uh, who will come to faith, are vital to the life of a gospel-centered church. Because all three, all three of these things are marked by discipleship, 
mission, and God's word. I love uh, this short letter from John, um, in particular how it gives us this little glimpse of uh, the content of John's first letter. So if you have time, go and, and go back and read uh, 1 John, but it's 2 John is many ways uh, 1 John being outworked in the life of John himself and the lives of those that he's been witnessing to and caring for. And this passage as well is deeply resonant of that passage in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, of that image of the vine and and remaining in Jesus and remaining close to him, of knowing him and knowing who we are, experiencing his love for us and allowing that to then respond in love for others. So firstly, our own walks, my and your own personal walk with the Lord. And so John is writing to this lady who we don't get a name for and we don't get very many details for. But what we do get is this wonderful picture of who she is. And the first thing that we learn is that she herself is walking with Jesus. As John says, to the lady chosen by God. John writes because in Jesus, both he and her know Jesus' love. And both know that chosenness of being chosen by him. Again, reflecting that image in John 15 of you did not choose me, but I chose you, as Jesus said. The idea of being called by Jesus into salvation, called by Jesus into forgiveness, into his grace. And so this lady that uh, John himself and all of us who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, John says, uh, will know uh, this love for each other. Not because of anything that we've done, not anything uh, that we could earn ourselves, but completely and wholly because of what Jesus has done for us, in him calling us, choosing us, and dying on a cross for us. I don't know if you've ever experienced that that feeling of when you were were younger, standing uh, in in, uh, gym or um, for football and waiting um, as you all lined up for people to choose who was going to be on their team. And you're waiting there hoping, hoping that your name would be called closer to the beginning rather than at the end because at the end you often feel that you're only chosen because you were the only one left. But this is not our experience with Jesus. The reality is none of us, none of us are deserving of being chosen and yet, and yet, Jesus calls each one of us by name to come and to follow him. And so being chosen in Jesus means that in John's letter, in his greeting of grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 3 to this lady is uh, her very own, but it also can be our very own too. John and her have experienced, this lady has experienced it, this grace, this peace. And many of us have experienced it ourselves. We've got it. It's ours now too because of what Jesus has done for us. And as John says, now the truth lives in us and will be with us forever. But at the very same time and the joy that John begins with in talking about his own walk and the walk of this chosen lady, there's also this really um, intentional need uh, that John points at of being careful and not letting your guard down. Indeed, there will be things and people who will try and move us away from the truth of the gospel. 
people who will try and get us to exchange the truth for lies. And so that's why the latter half of Second John focuses on warning the chosen lady and, and all those who follow Christ to avoid those who tell lies and do not even acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh. But he also warns them, not just those who are rejecting the gospel and rejecting Jesus, those who try um, and reject and, and, and speak lies of the truth, but he's also speaking of those who try and take away or add to the gospel of Jesus, which in doing so becomes no gospel at all. If you see in verse 9, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And so this is a rather stark warning, but an important one. We cannot have this gospel plus mentality because to add to or take away from the gospel of Jesus is really to have no gospel at all. Again, the gospel is God's gracious act of gift and rescue for us by him alone. And so to add to it or is to lose it completely. Nowadays, many of us enjoy um, a lot of the different streaming sites out there. And many of them have this idea of something plus. So what comes to mind is that, that Disney plus. Um, and like all those many different streaming things, it's not just Disney, is it? Yes, it has all those wonderful films and, and, and that we remember as children or showing our own kids, but it also has a lot of other content that um, is very different and often not even uh, appropriate for children to watch. And the same is true of the gospel. We can have the core thing, but once we start to run on ahead of it and add new and divergent teaching to the gospel, it makes it no gospel at all. The gospel's God's true message, and so adding to it makes it false and saying that it's imperfect. And that this is not necessarily bad things that we do in adding, but they become bad when they become what we then believe is the means of our salvation rather than the fruit of our salvation. I'd like to take, for example, the wonderful work that you do in the storehouse, which is a truly wonderful thing. But if for a moment we began to think that the work that we're doing in the storehouse was somehow winning our favor with God or by doing what we do was securing our place in heaven, we've lost it. We've gone back to this works-based righteousness thinking that we can earn our own salvation. But on the other hand, if the work that we do is a response of the salvation won by Jesus for us and the joy and the love that we experience in him in turn overflowing with joy and love in us and into the lives of those around us, that we then are convicted to the heart and a desire to follow God's command to care for the poor, the needy, the vulnerable. Then the work of the storehouse is truly a hallelujah thing and brings glory to our heavenly father. The gospel brings grace and peace eternally. But to add to it brings us back to a place of condemnation and judgment. The gospel brings God deserved glory, but to add to it deprives God of glory because we're saying that we have a part to play in it and thus we glorify ourselves. Anything plus reverses the gospel. But as John says, to continue in the teaching means that we both have the Father and the Son. 
And so John is quite harsh in some of his language that he uses in this passage, especially in verses 10 and 11. And the reason he does that is because it is such a serious thing with eternal consequences. John's not talking about the importance of going and outreaching and bringing the gospel to people, for which, of course, he would be in favor. He's talking about the danger of fellowship in a church with those who claim to be Christians, and yet the reality is that they've added to the gospel so that it bears no resemblance to the truth anymore. There's many places, many places and many churches that the teaching of the apostles is rejected or altered to suit what people want to hear, where the gospel truth is not welcome. There's many people who stand against those and speak lies against those living in the truth. But we need, as a church, to be a people who continue in our own walk, grounded in who we are in Jesus, that in our very chosenness given to us in him, that we are here as an experiencing his love and forgiveness, won by him alone, his grace. And so then, as we walk, we should do so as one with endurance, staying faithful as we live out our lives for him in a world that so often can be hostile to us. Living faithfully means walking in him, remaining in him where we are, like the vine in John 15. And as we remain in him and see that, that, that where there's true life and true growth as we stay connected to him, that's where we find life and that's where we find true fruitfulness. And so then secondly, this letter gives us a real sense of fellowship and friendship that can be found in fellow brothers and sisters in Christ fellow walkers, if you will. I remember when I was 16 and I did the Camino de Santiago with a group of people uh, through Agape. Uh, many of different people from Crinken uh, went along on that trip. And the Camino experience is really... Um, benefited and, and becomes a really great thing uh, depending on those you go with. It's those who you journey with that really makes it something special. And one of the days uh, we did something what they called the day of solitude. And that's when in the morning we'd have to do the, the first chunk of our daily walk uh, by ourselves. And I remember it was, a big, it was a big fair chunk. I can't remember what the distance was, but it was long enough. And I tell you, I absolutely, as a 16-year-old, I absolutely hated it. I thought it was the worst thing ever. And I ended up, I got shouted at. I, was, I get quite tanned in the summer, so someone mistook, this elderly couple mistook me as a, a Spanish person and started speaking Spanish, which I didn't know what they were saying, and they got very angry, and thank God I knew how to say no hablo espanol. Um, I don't speak Spanish because um, I would have been in big trouble. Um, but I ended up, I hated it, and I ended up running most of the way. Now, I think today I'd probably fare off uh, much better and I'd probably enjoy it uh, much more having that quietness and time to reflect. But I think so often when we try and walk alone in life, it can make things so much harder and feel so unending. Even in small things can become heavy burdens when it's just you to bear them. Christians were not made to walk alone. And of course, centrally, we, the Bible reminds us that we don't do this alone, that we do this with Jesus. But the Bible also continually reminds us that God's gift to us is the church. 
fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to walk with us, to pray with one another, to encourage one another along the way. In other words, discipleship is key. John speaks of this great love that he has for this lady and her children, people whom he loves in the truth. And not only him, but he says, but also all who know the truth. This idea that everyone who walks in the truth has this love for one another. Anyone who walks in love walks in the truth. Both are inseparable. And so the amazing thing of the gospel is that it unites us in this walk together, but unites us not because of our personality or belonging to the same school or from the same area or supporting the same football team. Rather, we're united in our walk because of Jesus. I can say a lot of my closest friends today are not because of school or hobbies or sports or their background, but because we met here in church. And our love for Jesus united us and continues to do so. Church should be a place where people from all walks of life, all different ages, all different backgrounds are able to come together. It should be a place of welcome, not because we fit a certain mold, but because we've come for the same thing. We've come for a united purpose, and that is for Jesus. The church is there to build one another up in love and in truth. And I often, I love the passage from Ephesians 4, and I often speak about it again and again, um, and the people of Oma are probably getting a bit sick of me constantly nailing in this, 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 this passage, but I really love it because it always reminds us that we need to speak the truth in love so that we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Some people today love to talk about love, but they completely neglect the element of God's truth, of the biblical message, of what is truly right and wrong, and of the model of Jesus' deep sacrificial love for us, what God's idea of love is. And others are so focused on the truth and showing it to be right that they fail to see that knowing and living in the truth should always lead to responses of love. Love is at the heart of the true gospel. So to say Jesus is the only way to be saved and all others is false, that is indeed truth. There is no other way but in him alone. But we also must hear this with the fact that Jesus, who went to the cross, willingly died for you and me in a sacrifice for our sins and calls us to receive him, to know him, because of his love for us. Again, that salvation, not earned by us, but by Jesus alone. And so his model of love to us calls us then to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love our enemies, to love others as God has loved us. That is love. And so when we walk in the truth and in love, means that we follow Jesus and his ways that we receive his love and truth, and in turn, we love one another and build each other up in the truth. And often we can be quite forgetful of this. But John reminds us and them in this letter that the command of God is to do what? But to love one another. 
as he says, and now, dear lady, I'm writing to you a new, not a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that you love one another, one another. His ways, his word, his love. We need to walk with one another and build each other up in the truth and love so that we as a church can be firmly grounded in God's word, produce maturity in one another, ever established on the rock that is Jesus. And so then thirdly and finally, the impact of our own walks with the Lord, both personally and then our impact of our walks together as church are vital then in how we witness the truth and love to our children and the world. Why? Because it is our greatest need as well as the greatest thing to walk with Jesus. So to see others know and love him and have life in his name is pure joy. And you can really say, see a sense of this in, in this letter. See how John not only addresses this letter to the lady, but in verse four talks about the great joy it is to find that some of her children are walking in the truth too. It's such great joy to see children walking with Jesus. We want to be disciple makers, not just in our own communities and also across the globe, but we also want to be disciple makers in our own families. I love this story um, that I heard a good few years ago of this uh, university worker who was welcoming uh, the student in the UK uh, arriving in England um, from China who was coming uh, to, to do a year abroad in China as part of his university. And the university worker, as he picked him up, offered this student, um, could he take him sightseeing? Where would he like to go? And, and he'd be very happy to show him around. And this student, uh, quite bizarrely, asked him, what I'd really love to do is I'd love to go to Barnsley in the north of England. And so the university worker looked uh, a bit bewildered of all the places uh, he could go and see in England. Why on earth would he want to go to a place like Barnsley? Not to offend anyone if you're from Barnsley. But this man then, this, 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 this uh, student from China responded, saying there was once this man who came from Barnsley. And he came all the way to my home village in China. And that man told my great-grandfather the good news about Jesus. And because of that man, not only do my, my great-grandfather know Jesus, and my grandfather and my father after him, but me as well. Because of that man, my whole family know Jesus as their saviour. And I just love that truth. Um, and that, that's the story of um, Hudson Taylor, who founded the China Inland Mission, who came from Barnsley. But I just love that image that it gives us, reminding us not only of those who go far afield, go to the ends of the earth to share the gospel, but also the response of that great-grandfather of teaching his children in the way that they should go, in discipling them so that they too could know the truth and the joy of knowing Jesus. The chosen ladies' walk in our own passage had an impact on the lives of her children, as well as that John had a great impact on her life and the wider family as well. All of which, even this letter today, we're reading it here centuries later in an island, small little island off the Atlantic. We're reading the very same words that he wrote to encourage 
this lady. The heart and the life of a gospel-centered church should be one where our own walks impact others, where our own personal discipleship leads to disciple-making. We want to see both those inside and outside these walls walking with Jesus. Now, whether it's praying for them or whether it's teaching them or modeling that that sacrificial love to them or modeling what it is to walk in love and truth or going out and evangelizing in various different parts of, of our community or serving in various ways, whatever it might be and whatever it might look like, we all have our part to play. As Crinkin has that reminder every time you walk in and out of that front door, that Jesus' invitation to come and to see. But once you've seen Jesus and heard the good news of who he is and what he has done for you, it's too good not to go and tell others. And so Jesus is commissioned to go and tell, to go and make disciples of all nations. And that commission is just as far-reaching to the corners of the earth as it is near to the people sitting right next to us this morning. A gospel-centered church should be marked by walking with Jesus. And so as we, cl- as we close this morning and, and looking at this passage, I think we need to ask ourselves as we've reflected on this, is how we're doing in our own walk. Are we walking with the Lord is the first question. Are we finding it particularly hard, maybe, as we walk with him? Or maybe we're still crawling and haven't quite planted our feet firmly on the ground yet, still wondering about faith and Jesus. Well, can I encourage you today to not to lay. Jesus is calling us to receive his love and the life he has for us. There is no greater joy. There is no better thing. And know that even if you take those first steps or continue walking as you may have been doing for many, many years, we walk with him together. As I said, this whole passage from 2 John keeps picking up on these themes from John 15, where Jesus tells us again and again of his love. And so as we close and as we think of our own lives and our own walks, personal walks with the Lord, I just want to read these words from John 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Brothers and sisters, let's remain in him. Let's walk in love and truth and to know the fullness of joy overflowing in our salvation won by him alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of the gospel. The gospel that says that there is nothing that we can do, nothing that we can do of our own merit, Lord, to win our salvation. But Lord, you sent Jesus You sent Jesus to the cross so that we might know you, that we could know you as our heavenly father, that we could know true forgiveness, that we could know true life, and that our joy may be complete. 
So, Father, as we go from uh, here today, later on, and as we go in, out into our weeks and into the world, Lord, help us to know that truth, to stay close to you, to walk with you, to walk uh, with you together, and to be so centered on you, Lord, that it overflows into our lives and those around us, Lord. We want to see your name glorified in everything that we do. And we want to see so many people come to know you as their Lord and Savior, because there is no greater thing. So Father, equip us for the task ahead. But above all, may our eyes ever be fixed on Jesus, the author of our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. But we're going to stand and sing and respond uh, to what we've heard from this passage um, in singing uh, these great words um, of there being one gospel in which uh, we find our hope. Let's stand as, as we are able. Let's stand and sing.